So if you have your Bibles, turn with 1 Peter chapter 3. Thank you so much for those of you who have donated some Bibles. If you don't have Bibles, go to the Info Hub. There's some donated Bibles there. You can just take one, and it's yours. And it's really important that I feel like getting a physical Bible, I know when you live in a day and age of digital, but man, there's something about underlining something in your Bible. By the way, it is not a sin to write in your Bible. <laughs> you can write in your Bible, underline some things. It is life, and it's, it's challenging for us. But 1 Peter chapter 3, there's, there's three things that, I, that this chapter really speaks to is one, how to have a good life. Anybody have, want to know how to have a good life? First uh, Peter chapter 3 tells us that. The other thing is uh, you want your prayers answered. Who do you, how many people want their prayers answered? Yes, Peter will tell us how to do that. And then interestingly enough, coincidentally, it talks about baptism. My question is, does baptism save you? Because Peter kind of says it does. But we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then lastly, um, I love this one that, that this scripture talks about husbands submit to your wives. I heard some women just go, amen. Amen. I like this preaching they're saying. <laughs> Was that just heresy right there? I misquoted the Bible, um, that one. Maybe I should be having my wife preach this message about wives submit to your husbands. All right, well, anyways, don't get too worried about it. Don't start jabbing your spouse. And by the way, just because um, Peter addresses husbands and wives, if you're single, if you're young, if you're old, um, there's something that actually goes beyond the spousal relationship that he's talking about. So there's something here for all of us today. All right, let's dig right in. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, and that's interesting that he says likewise. Remember, in the scripture, these were letters that were written to people. So Peter, one of the disciples, you know, Peter who walked on water, Peter who, who denied Jesus, Peter who was reinstated and says, upon this rock, you'll build my church. That Peter um, is writing a letter, and it's not broken down by chapters and verses. It's just a long letter. Uh, we've later done that so we can know where we're talking about. But this likewise means that we have to go before in chapter 2 and say, what is he talking about? If you remember, if you were here last week, we would talk about this importance of submitting ourselves to authority, and we are to honor everyone. How did you do this week in honoring everyone? Did you think about it? I hope you did, because I did. And I had to work hard at it to honor everybody. But so he's saying, likewise, like you are to submit. And by the way, you, can, you, you should only submit to authority unless, oh, you, you must submit to authority unless they're asking you to do something that is ungodly, that is against his uh, word. You do not need to submit to that. But he's encouraging us to, and he does it with an honoring heart. But likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that. Even if some do not obey the word, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Okay. Wives, I know we, you might be already struggling with this. Like these good, uh, again, we know this Yankee mentality, right? Don't tell me what to do. And I'm a strong woman and, and all this. But really what he's saying is in the early church, when wives would come... To Christ, they found a new freedom. 
Remember, the culture back then was very male-dominated, and, and wives really didn't have much of a say in things. But as they came to Christ, Peter's now instructing them to say, hey, just because your husband doesn't know the Lord doesn't mean you just go off and lead him and follow Jesus. And he's saying, no, stay with him and let your conduct be in such a way that wins him over by your heart condition, by your willingness to be gentle. Again, I want to be clear on this. If you are in an abusive relationship, you do not need to submit to the abuse, just to be clear. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now there would be some who would take this so literally that their expression of being obedient to the scripture is that they would not wear makeup, they would not wear jewelry, and they wouldn't have anything that would be flattering to them. But really, if you look at scriptures, not saying that is saying, don't make that your main objective. Don't make that trying to impress people is the thing you want to be doing. The, the two ways that he wants you to adorn yourself is, is one is you could care about what other people think, right? All the gold jewelry, all the beautiful braided hair, and look at me. Look at me. Or you care about the inner part of your being and say, God, look at my heart. Look at my heart. And if you care about the heart things, then, then your beauty is going to radiate and it's not saying you can't do the other things, but if you're going to put your focus on something, he says put a focus on the things of the internal beauty, the things of your heart. So he says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. I love the imperishable beauty. Gold can perish, clothes can perish. But imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their husbands as Sarah, remember Sarah, who used to be named Sarai, and Abraham, who used to be named Abram. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So wives, just turn, if you're here with your spouse right now, wives, just come turn to your husband and say, yes, my Lord. <laughs> what? What? Was that hard or something? Now, men, it felt awesome, didn't it? Yeah, we love it. Yes, my Lord. How may I serve you today? And I think that's kind of why I like Downtown Abbey a little bit. You know, it's like... Maybe that's where the English accent comes. Yes, my Lord. Um, now we know who the real Lord is, Lord Jesus, right? But in here, there was, this, there was this heart submission. Now, for you women, some of you were really struggling with that. I was like, I'm not saying my Lord to him. Okay, what's going on in the heart, right? It's like he looks at the heart. 
He looks at the heart. Now, husbands, you're not off the hook here. Likewise, husbands. Oh, come on. Smack down, smack down. In case you missed it, yes, my queen. Wow, it's getting feisty in here. Fight, fight, fight. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives, yes, my queen, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Okay, oh boy, here we go. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here we go. There's that first question that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, the way that you love your wife and care for her and tenderly look after her is the way that your prayers are going to be answered. And if you don't, your prayers will be hindered, so the scripture says. Now, let's go to the weaker vessel for a moment. The reality is you maybe aren't just as strong as your husband is, maybe. There are circumstances that might be not the case, but maybe. And I do think that it is, I don't think it's a spiritual weakness, although back in the very beginning, the enemy went after Eve. But it doesn't make a difference. I don't think that weakness there, but what it should stir up in a husband, though, is like, I got your back, baby. I'm your man. Count on me. You rise to the occasion. You say, you know what? She might be weaker, but I'm going to be like, I'm going to be there to protect her. You rise to the occasion. And and that's what, I'll tell you what, your wife would have no problem saying, yes, my Lord. You rise to the equation. We say, yes, my queen. (laughs) But here's what I love, though. Here's what I love. This This is the equal part. Remember, we're, we're co-heirs. We're, we're equal in this relationship. It's not a one lording over the other. It's not one lording over the other. It's really about a heart of equal submission. Equal submission, because here it is. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. They're heirs with you. You guys are in this together. God's placed you together and you complement each other and you're in this together and he's saying there's differences but those differences don't make you higher or lower. It's just saying, you know, you have roles to play and and you need to look after each other. But the look after each other has to do with a heart condition. What's in your heart? How do you treat one another? Do you treat with like, hey, you're just my roommate and or you just give me stuff or Or do you like, I I care for you. I want my heart to be honoring of you. And that's why the likewise, right? That's the heart. The submission is more of not like, hey, I'm going to do everything you say. It's more like this, I I desire to honor you. I desire to honor you. Okay, we're going to move on now to um, verse 8. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and humble mind. Now he's talking to all of us. So if you're saying, hey, I'm not, a, I'm not married and husband and wives, I checked out on that one. Now you can check back in. Finally, all of you, say all of you. All of you, all of, all of you here in this room have unity of mind, sympathy, 
brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This unity of mind is realizing that we're in this together. That's why I love church. I love this church family. I love that if you're visiting, that you're a part of this, you're checking us out. We want you to be a part of this church family because we're in this together. We're better together. The enemy wants to keep us separated and isolated, and, and he likes that because he can speak lies to us. But when we're in a community where we care for each other, where we honor one another, and we're in this together, unity of mind, we're pursuing Jesus together, there's safety in that. And then there's sympathy, which is like, I care for you. I care for you. And that's what a great body of believers is about. We're caring for one another. And it's interesting that he mentions brotherly love. Now he is talking, this letter is talking to men and women, right? Because he's, he's addressing wives, submit to your own husbands. But he is also now saying brotherly. Why didn't he say sisterly love? Because you sisters just love each other naturally. But brothers, brothers, we're so strong, we're so independent, and we're so prideful and arrogant, and we might fist pump, but we don't want to get real with somebody. We don't want to be vulnerable with another man. And here he's saying brotherly love. All right, brothers, turn to another brother, say, I love you. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. I have to say that I still get a little squeamish when a brother says, I love you, Mark. Was that Nate? Was that Nate? Nate, love you, brother. Um, but I think brotherly love is so important. I, I really respect our men's group. There's, they meet faithfully every Monday night. They're the ones who are actually doing the barbecue for us um, today. I so appreciate them. Give that, yeah, the, the men's group. But I think us brothers, we got to realize that we, we, we got to get a little soft. We got to open up. We got to get a little vulnerable. And we realize that we've got to, we're in this together, brothers. Brotherly love. And then, where's my spot here? Brotherly love. Tender heart, humble mind. You know, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that has happened in my life. You know, the world has a way of hardening our hearts through pain, difficult situations, mistakes we've made, people that have let us down. That can harden our heart to say, you know what? I'm just going to put a nice little bubble and barrier around my life. And I'll, I'll say hi to you. I'll be friendly to you, but I'm not letting anybody in. And I think this tender heart means that you're letting the walls down. You're letting your heart to, actually, it's, what you're doing is you're allowing your heart to potentially be hurt again. I think that's good. I think we need to take the barriers down. I think we really just allow our hearts to be tender and just trust the Lord with that. And then lastly, this humble mind. And, and, and I love that because it's like, be teachable. Don't think you have all the answers and, and don't get super righteous. And like you, you, you want to stand on your platform, let everybody know what you know and just be teachable before the Lord. 
I love a scripture where it says, you know, slow to uh, speak and quick to listen, which is this idea that like, that's, that's teachable, right? It's so easy. Everybody wants to spout off what they feel and what they think. And then he's saying, no, have a humble mind. It says this, whoever desires to love life, verse 10, and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Okay, answering that question, how do you want your prayers answered? Do these things. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit or lies. Turn away from evil, and not only turn away from evil, but do good. Do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. In a world that, I'll tell you, our world is just very combative, right? Cancel culture, um, my way or the highway, you know, there's so much division in, in so much of everything, right? But he's saying, can you be one who seeks peace? Not only seeks it, but pursues it, which means you're going after it. It means like you're in hot pursuit. Think of it like, oh, that was going to be a bad example, I was running away from the cops in my mind right there <laughs> in hot pursuit. But it was a police that was pursuing. Okay, go back to where I was thinking. We just need to pursue, though, with some intensity, right? Peace. When you wake up tomorrow morning, say, how am I going to pursue peace in work? How am I going to pursue peace in my posts, my social posts? How am I going to pursue peace in my reels? How am I going to per, uh, pursue peace today and then his ears are open to your prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good listen to this verse 14 but even if you should suffer for righteous sake you'll be blessed have no fear of them nor be troubled but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of this hope. Do you say hope, by the way? When's the last time somebody said, why do you have so much hope? One, I hope they're asking you that. But number two, would you know what to say? Man, you just seem like things aren't getting you down. You just seem like a positive person. Yeah, I look at the glass half full. Or, yeah, how could we not be hopeful when we have a Savior who saved us from all the junk in our lives? Can I share this Jesus with you? Having a good, oh, sorry, for the reason of this hope that it is sent to you, yet you do it with gentleness and respect. By the way, that's that. I love that. We don't talk about that one a whole lot. We talk about this hope. Be prepared to give the hope of Christ in you, in essence, right? But with gentleness and respect. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, that's the respect part. You don't need to share it. And gentleness is like, don't don't whack them over the head. Just like, 
Let me share your story. Let me just tell you what Jesus has done in my life. All right, moving on. Having a good conscience so that even when you're slandered, people speak bad about you. Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Basically saying, do good, pursue it. If people start talking trash about you, if people start wanting making up stories about you, you know what? It's okay. It's better that they do that than pursue something that's evil and not have anybody say anything bad about you because Jesus is the one who will stand before you and represent you and will say, well done, good and faithful servant. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring to God, bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, when the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were bought, brought safely through water. Okay, it's interesting. Peter now starts talking about Old Testament, Genesis stuff. He's talking about Noah and the ark. He's starting to make an illustration of saying that God can save like he saved Noah in a very wicked and evil time. And it's going to be like baptism. Goes on to say in verse 21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. Okay, so now he says baptism saves you. So we need to bring some clarity to that because if you read it on just the surface, you're saying, oh man, I haven't been baptized. I gave my life to Jesus, but I haven't been baptized. Am I saved? Well, explain that in a minute baptism now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ so here's what he's saying like Noah who went in an ark that saved a family a righteous family the water washed away the wickedness of the earth at that point in time, and the water saved Noah, but it was his faith and his hope in God that saved him, not the water. Likewise, baptism is not just the washing off of dirt from your, like, your life, but it's the acknowledgement of saying that when I go into the waters, I'm actually identifying with Jesus. To say, I'm dying to my old way, and I come up out of the water, a new creation, and now I'm choosing to live for Jesus. But the choosing to live for Jesus is what saves us, not the act of baptism. But he says, baptism saves you. Why? Because you're acknowledging at baptism that you've given your life to Jesus Christ. So just point of clarification, baptism does not save you, but baptism is evidence of your salvation because you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Good? Good. Peter, who was talking to the early church, 
The reason I love First and Second Peter, and we'll get to Second Peter in a few weeks. We only have four and five left of this First Peter. Is really addressing some really practical things. And it makes sense for us as we're instructed by, remember the Holy Spirit inspired these writings. They're written by humans, inspired by the Holy Spirit, placed into a canon of scripture that has not been added or taken away from. Yes, we go back to original Greek and Hebrew to find the interpretation, or I should say the translation of those. But the practicality is, yes, as we come to Jesus, it's a spiritual thing, but it plays out very naturally. It affects our everyday life. That's why we can't just like decide one day, like, oh, I've made a decision for Jesus, and then I'm going to live the way I want to live. He's saying there's something more than that. There's something that happens in our spirit, in our soul, that affects our relationships with a husband and wife, that affects the relationships inside the church, that affects our relationships with our coworkers, how we deal with the government, those in authority over us. Then he's giving us practical things of saying, hey, by the way, I want to see you be baptized. I want to see everyone come to this place of this decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But when you do and people start either making fun of you or slandering you or making up stories about you. I just heard yesterday of a pastor who all of a sudden something crazy is going on in their community and they're making up all kinds of lies about their church. Lies. And yeah, he's like, oh my, all of it's false. How do I, how do I make it right? And we go to scriptures like this and say, that's not your place. You don't have to worry about that. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your heart in the right place. Honor. Honor everybody. Find hope. Find this hope that's so deep inside of you that, that when you build your life on this rock, the, the waves of life and, and hurling of abuse and people making up stories does not shake you. And I believe in the times that we live today, we need to come to that place of confidence to know that it doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters how we live our life honoring Jesus and then loving people really well. See, it's really easy to say, I don't care what they think, and then you get so hard-hearted and you become isolated again. You become, um, you know, they're the enemy but the reality is the very, that's why he says pray for your enemies. I'm going off track just a moment, but that's why he says pray for your enemies. Why? Because he realizes that when somebody's hurting you, it's probably just because they're hurting. And if we really love them, that hurling of abuse to us doesn't affect us because we see the potential of what God wants to do in their life to bring healing and hope in their life. And so that's why we pray for enemies. I, I used to think, well, we pray for enemies. That just keeps us free, right? I pray for them as if like some distance, like keep my enemy over there. I pray for them so I don't get bitter and angry. But 
I really think I guess pray for them with compassion to say, you know what, you hope that they would experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus like I experienced the love and forgiveness of Jesus because we once were like that person, quite frankly. Maybe it looked a little different, but we still were tarnished by our own sin and junk in our life. So in closing, we have to ask ourselves, what is God saying to us? Who's God? What is he saying to us? How should we live? How should we take what he's saying to us? Apply it. And then who do we tell? I want you to think right now of something that I've said from the word or something the word of God says I should say. And think about how you could share that with somebody. Because there's something powerful when we take the word of God. I, why, you know, if you've noticed, I've, I've changed a little bit of the way that I speak to you. We used to do, and we still may from time to time, do topical messages. But God, a few years ago, probably a year ago, really challenged me that the very thing that changes us actually is not my great words, which aren't so great, by the way, which aren't my great speaking to you, but it's the word of God that changes us. And we want to be changed by the word of God. And so if we can take God's word and then share with somebody else, the Bible says the word of God does not return void. It plants something in somebody. So I just want to encourage you that we understand who God is by his scripture. He, we understand what he's saying to us, his church, asking us how to live it out. So hopefully you got some action items that you're going to live out this week. And then who are you going to tell? Because that telling produces some result. All right. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, yes, my Lord. Husbands, yes, my queen. Right? You're co-heirs. You're doing this together. That's the beauty of it. The scripture tells us how we should live, how our prayers are answered. Talks about that baptism doesn't save us, but he wants us to be water baptized because of our commitment to Jesus Christ. And to have a good life is pursue Jesus with righteousness. Keep your heart tender. Keep your mind humble. Do good. God's ears will be open to you. You'll have an open heaven. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church. Then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.